Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Blazers Edge podcast. I am your current host. Sure, we'll go with that. Temporary host, primary question asker. I'm not good at this kind of stuff. But with uh, my former co-host of Four Years Terrible on Biggs taking a leave from the podcast, I'm rotating through some uh, Blazers Edge uh, friendlies, I guess we'll call them. And uh, you guys should all know uh, our, one of the editors at Blazers Edge and one of our leading draft guys, Steve DeWald. Steve, thanks for joining us, man. I have big shoes to fill, but I'm happy to be here. Yeah, team mom. Like, I mean, you get to be more me right now, so the shoes are a lot smaller. <laughs> so I have to sit here and try to do the host thing, which it's actually a lot harder than you think it is. So I decided I was going to do the icebreaker with you uh, with a with a not even a question. It was a statement I put out on Twitter earlier. Lettuce does not belong on tacos. Your thoughts? <laughs> no, I'm a cabbage guy, so I, I agree with you. So. Like, there lettuce belongs in a salad. That's it. There's no place where lettuce is superior to anything else than in a salad. And even then, like you can go spinach, you can go kale, you can go arugula. Mm. Like it's, it's like your 12th man. Yeah. This is the 12th man. It's, it's a reliable 12th man. It's see, I'll even go, I, I get like the shredded cabbage with the carrot in it too. I just leave the carrot in. I mean, it, like, come on. literally, that's the thing. Like I've had people fire back with, you know, it belongs on tacos. What about Taco Bell? And I'm just like, God, I, I have to remember that I'm actually, uh, <laughs> as much as I live in Oregon, I'm, I'm not technically an Oregonian. I'm from Southern California where you know, we have real tacos. Um, yes, I'm talking to all of you, and I hope you're very frustrated with my take right now, and you should be ashamed. Take the dirty, filthy, wet, nasty, tasteless lettuce off your tacos. Listen, I get you if you're a cilantro. If you're one of those people where cilantro tastes like soap, I, I, I get you. But you have other options, right? You have onions. You have peppers. You have cabbage, like you said radish like there's so many other things you can go with like you could even go spinach and i wouldn't be mad at you i would just be like that's a little different but whatever it's a little like i guess like a greek flavor i guess that becomes less taco and more uh euro euro but like even then all right i I, I can go with that i'm i'll even go so far as to say that lettuce is a worse taco topping than ketchup and ketchup is disgusting (sighs) on a taco i don't that's a bridge too far (laughs) <laughs> just i can't can't do ketchup come on man just because lebron did it doesn't mean you i mean do it i grew up on white people tacos in eastern oregon so i had a lot of lettuce <laughs> but we never we never put ketchup on in on our tacos listen that's the thing is like i can excuse the fact that a lot of people in the northwest have gringo tacos mm-hmm. like that's that's kind of the thing but when we're talking like making real tacos lettuce is completely and totally unacceptable just flat out 
No ifs, ands, buts about it. And then everybody out there who thinks otherwise, guess what? There are people who think that lettuce doesn't belong on tacos, and then there are people who are wrong. So you can be in one group or the other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With that, so we're doing this on Sunday night, and I guess what's, what's the date now? Twenty fourth. I lose track of these. What are we date? Yep, yeah, it's five of the quarter, Is it even whatever? Is it even the weekend? I yeah, know. no. It, it all blends together. I just wake up. I'm like, am I supposed to go to work today? I think I am. Maybe. Hmm, shrug. Um, but unless something happens that's just wildly out of place. The NBA season is going to resume here probably in 60-ish days, mm-hmm. 45 if we're talking about guys coming back and getting ready and stuff like that. What What's your primary thought on the entirety of it? And then we'll kind of work through it step by step. I, I think you just really – Dave touched on it a little bit this week on the site, but it's just kind of a necessary evil, and I think we should just call it what it is. It's This is not for – there's no perfect way to do this. There's no completely safe way to do this no matter – ways you approach it Mm -hmm. but the reality is is this league and the players especially the top tier players are facing when their salaries are tied directly to the cap when they're facing a financial crunch that we've never seen this is way different than just a lockout or a labor dispute this is something the league has never been able to prepare for and they're they're just has to be some form of basketball and if there's not you're looking at uh, a, a problem that could last up to five years. This isn't just like a, a simple one, one off. Like you're talking about cap damage that lasts five, six years. Now, granted that's on one side, that's still sports. And then on the other, you're talking about player safety, the, the safety of coaches, people who are over 50 in this league that mm-hmm. will be inside the bubble that is proposed. So that's, those are the issues that we're going to have to evaluate. So I, I'm with you in the sense of like, the safety obviously is primary, but the the money implications for let me just kind of put it in dollar and cents for for folks. I, I know people are like, well, they have so much money to begin with da, 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 that it's it's a scale. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you're doing. When twenty five percent of your salary is just poof, and you planned on it being there, I don't care how much money you had. You probably have investments. You probably have things that you're working on. And if all of a sudden, 25% of your salary is gone, and we're talking about the immediacy of this year, that alone is enough for you to go, I'm sorry, what? You know, just kind of perk up and be like, we need to figure out something here. Then you talk about the implications we're talking, like you, like you mentioned, like five years out. And when we saw what happened in 2016 with a cap spike, now think of the inverse of that, where you could see a massive slash to kind of straighten things out and righten the ship. And when you're looking at it from that sense, and this isn't to discount the, the, the safety or um, the, what is, you know, quote unquote, right. But when you're looking at it from that standpoint, especially a bunch of dudes who are what, 21 to 28 years old, who have a different outlook on life who have been treated and looked at as invincible pretty much their entire lives. I can be like, yeah, no, I get it. I, I don't, I don't have to say that I agree or I don't agree, but I at least understand where they're coming from. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, also you're talking about a 25% cut in professional athletes have worked differently than most of us in most of our careers. We, I, we are all working to our most profitable years. Most likely our most profitable years are going to be later in our lives. These They're guys have, now. they have to maximize their earning right now. And when you're taking a 25% cut, and I mean, if you're a guy on 
you know, a minimum contract, you take that 25% off and you're a guy who might only be in the league for three years. I mean, that's, that's devastating for the impact five, 10, yeah. 15, 20 years. Like the yeah. whole idea of your money working for you, mm-hmm. like the exponential factor that hits. And I know that I, this whole like crying over spilled milk when we're talking about millionaires being cut millions, it, it matters. It matters to these dudes. I mean, like I, I'm it's, it's, it's the whole thing. You and I have talked about this a million times. You and I are both on the same boat in this. We are both team get the bag. It is incumbent on the player to get as much money as they can when they can get it. It's up to ownership and and general managers and such to manage the financial responsibilities of of an organization. It is not the player's job ever, Mm -hmm. ever, 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 ever. So if their union has come together and they accept the proposal, then go with God. That's, that's kind of where I'm sitting on it. Right. And, and uh, yeah, I just want to be very clear. Like, this is not me advocating that this is the best and safest way to do it. But these people have to, I mean, their union, their league, their representatives have to do what's best for them and their clients. And, and if this is what they decided it's on and there's a vote, that's what you need to do. But also, the, the thing that does concern me is not necessarily the players, but it's the it's their families if they're allowed into the bubble yeah and then it's also the coaches or staff members that are you know in an at-risk range like those are the people that they're gonna have to be extra careful about and i mean we can tie that back how old is terry stotts he's like, mid-60s yeah i believe he's 62 if i'm not mistaken Ooh. Ooh. so Give him a couple more years <laughs> but no no i mean yeah but i mean he's we don't know about any underlying health conditions and coach dots. So if you're hearing this, I hope you're doing well. Uh, uh, we, we love you. Some, we love us some Terry. So, uh, but like, that's something you have to remember. You, you look around the organization and I mean, there's, there's people who've been with the organization. How old is Jeff Clark? I feel like Jeff Clark has been a trainer of the Blazers my, my entire life. Like, you know what I mean? Like, again, kind of talking sideways right now, but we love it, Jeff. Um, but like, do we, you know, what position are they being put in? And that's not a question that I'm prepared to answer, nor am I going to try to take that on because I don't have the answers to that. I don't think anybody really does, but there are certainly people out there who have better answers than I do. Right. Yeah. And I, I think this league is always been one who has not shied away from innovation. And I think whatever they have to do, as far as if it's coaching away from the court and there's, I mean, you have a screen or a surface set up there that is giving real time instruction. Like that's something that the league should look into. Shut like, up Microsoft surface. Well, Hey, I believe they are the, are they the sponsor? They are the official. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. You gotta be on brand. We're yeah. trying to get sponsored. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I always say, have you seen that, that I can't, I think it's track phone. I'm like, I'm sitting here just dropping company names like for free right now. <laughs> I need to learn. But have you seen that commercial with that, that dude's like rolling around in the big box? It's a video screen of him like on the street. It's like a giant track phone. It's like a video screen of him talking to people on the street. I feel like we can get one of those <laughs> yeah. for, for coach Stotts. That way he can, that way the, the officials can still get the Ugh, face yeah, when, yeah. Uh, when he's irritated with them. Um, but let's kind of get into the meat of this because uh, Shams had got a hold of the GM survey that was sent out on Friday. And there are a litany of questions that went out to GMs and they want to know. And I think this kind of goes, I think this is the more formal and official version of the uh, thumbs up, thumb down text message that went out mm-hmm. to uh, players that, you know, that happened. And then the people got word about it and like, no, that never happened. Like, <laughs> come, come, come on guys be better about this. Um, but so the, the process 
let's let's do this. You actually wrote it up. So go ahead and outline kind of what that process looked like in general, as far as what we were, what they're debating or what they're kind of trying to come to grips with as far as some general stuff. I'll I'll kind of throw this, these ones out here. It was what a 72 or a 76 game season, which is different from the 70 that we originally heard proposed, which like, I guess we can just kind of tackle that one real quick. That at least for me, that gives Portland a little bit more room either way, 72 or 76 right now, they're three and a half behind Memphis. They would only have four games to catch them. If it went to six or even what, uh, 10 games. So that'd be the option six or 10. Yeah. Uh, that's a little more, I mean, especially 10 games. If it went to 10 games, three and a half is not impossible. It's not easy, but that's certainly, you could talk yourself into that with the return of use of Nurkic, possibly the return of Zach Collins. I, we, we haven't got an official statement about his status, his health, anything like that. What, what, what is your, what is your take on the, the 72, 76 proposal? Well, I mean, also you left off Carmelo Anthony. He's proven he's the ultimate come off the couch, ready to play player this year. <laughs> come on now. But, this, this is true. But I think uh, you're looking at that season length. I think you're looking at another question that was on there is how many teams. I mean, everybody's assuming that every team is going to be returning, but that was another question that was on yeah. there. Between 18 to 24 teams, there was a window in there and how many teams they would bring back. Um, obviously, if they're going to bring every team back, you're already doing that. So you might as well make it worth it for the teams that are right on the bubble to give them enough games to Mm -hmm. play their way in. I mean, don't bring them down there and give them zero margin for error to, to catch up in the playoff race. If, if that's what you're going to do, if you're going to commit them to that. Um, And then also, I mean, the, the things that seem unanimous are is the warm up to the league. It sounds like it'll be two weeks of practice in Portland or Mm -hmm. in the team's local market. And then they'll have a two week ramp up. Once they get in Orlando, it's basically a, a, a hey, here's the flare going up the sky. That that that's the message to all the players right now. Start getting ready. Mm. Like you've got basically a month now to get your body right before you've got to get back into full full shape. Like, because well, there's there's plenty of guys right out right now, and this may surprise some folks uh, that uh, the the day the the season ended basically or shut down, they they went into full off season mode. And so yeah. there, there are plenty of guys around the league who need to, who need to get right before they can get into basketball shape again. And it's really, it's like when you're looking at it like that, you might look at the teams that are having, have guys like Yusuf Nurkic or Zach Collins, where they're nearing the end of their injury re- rehabilitation, mm-hmm. where they're already on a schedule. So those guys, I mean, they never stopped. Deep. Yeah, exactly. So, and that, 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 that may be something that people don't know is that even when the season was shut down, uh, Nurk, Hood, and Collins were still going to the practice facility. They were actually cleared, and I believe that was a league-wide thing where if you were under a injury protocol, they were just letting the guys in one at a time and basically like working one-on-one with uh, or supervised by one of the trainers or medical staff. So those guys have, have been working out throughout this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if anything, they're probably in, in a better place. I mean, everybody but Hood, but um, – that's that's kind of the the deal here, and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, if if a uh, potential Ray Felton appears anywhere <laughs> around the league. Well, yeah, there's going to be you know the Sean Kemp's or the Ray Feltons of the world mm-hmm. that have have enjoyed quarantine a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think the other, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things in that GM survey as far as. Uh, and it's it's something that's talked about all the time as far mm-hmm. as the potential conclusion dates. 
And right yeah, now, there's a wide range. Yeah. According to this, the GM survey, those dates range from September 7th to November 1st. And I think if you're looking at November 1st, I think you're, you're probably looking at a league that is going to permanently shift its schedule. hundred hundred percent. It'll be a week before Christmas. Mm-hmm. It, like it'll be the the preview special will be like December twentieth, and then like to get a, a couple marquee games, and then Christmas Day will be the major major. You'll have like one semi marquee game, kind of like the NFL does it. You'll have that one like marquee ish game to open the season, and then Christmas yep. Day you'll have five six full slate of just what should be on paper monster mashup uh, matchups, and then that'll be kind of how they roll it out, at least in my mind. Yeah. And I think that's, it's going to be a permanent shift like that. I, I think going forward, I think it's something the league has always wanted to do is, you know, really clear themselves from the footprint or the shadow of the NFL and, and really just get in that sweet spot as far as that. And then really just try to capitalize on, you know, a softer baseball schedule in the summer. So how, uh, how, if you had to put a, a percentage on it, how likely do you think they are going to go to, to around a, a Christmas start? I would say, I'm I'm probably about 75% on yeah, that. That's kind of where I'm I feel. Too. Um the other thing too is they're they're talking about for this year depending on what playoff options they roll with they're they're talking about potentially something the league has flirted with in the past or in the last couple of years as far as reseeding all the playoff teams. Mm-hmm. And it, obviously it's much less of an issue if you're at a central location to reseed everyone because east west doesn't Travel, really matter yeah. at that point. So that that's something I could be would be super interesting. And I mean, I think that, I think we both agree that this season, if there is a champion and everything goes and the schedule plays out, this is going to have an asterisk attached to it. So I think yes. And I think yes and no, it depends on if the playoff format is a full seven, seven, seven. Like if it's a, if it's a full, and especially if you get to 76 games mm. at that point, you're like, I mean, we're already past a strike short in season as far yeah. as like, length of season so it's hard for me to do that in in one sense but i get where some people are coming from the thing about it is this is what kind of this is my toss-up a team like the lakers who you know they were certainly a a title contender they're old as hell Mm -hmm. how easy is it going to be for them to get out of complete stoppage to get get going and we had keith on from past big breakfast you know they're, they're memphis guys that Memphis team's like 21 years old. They wake up ready. Yeah. Like, well, let's say Memphis does make it in. Portland doesn't. And Memphis is just geared up, ready to go. And somehow, some way, they they get the Lakers. Like I'm not saying it's happening. I say it's a very like a near near impossibility. But like, what if that were the case? You'd have people screaming for asterisks then. Yeah. Well, I think the counter to that is though, is you have a Lakers team that is filled with grown men who have been preparing themselves for professional play their entire lives or the last 10 years. So, I mean, if there's guys that know where their body needs to be before that type of competition, it's probably a team like the Lakers. The, the team I wonder about is kind of the Bucks, as far as that was a team that was rolling yeah. And then you have, and then you just stall it out and it, it'll be interesting to see how that team starts up again. And then obviously if it's, if it's some weird play in situation where you're going to make everybody eligible, it's, I mean, you got to talk about golden state in as far as yeah, that Steph goes. and clay, both being back would be, yeah. uh, yeah, that's kind of a, kind of a problem. Let's talk about the play in format because that obviously impacts Portland. There's a couple different versions of this, the toss it all up and let it roll 
which we kind of saw Nurk talk about on Twitter the other night, uh, you know, see what happens. Or what was it? Uh, like a bubble plan for the yeah. seventh and eighth seeds. So, I mean, I, there's there, it feels like this one is a hard split on where people fall. Uh, the NCAA tournament style, you know, just like full on, let's go. And which it would be must see. Like if you watched, uh, did you watch any of the match today? I watched the first nine holes and then I've been assembling a, a playhouse for my daughter that has <laughs> consumed all of my weekend time. That, that'll so. happen. But the uniqueness of that and how we probably won't ever see anything like that, or we hadn't really seen anything like that. I know they tried that pay-per-view one in Vegas, but this was different, right? Like uh, yeah. the, the way they went about everything. I think if they did a play in style tournament, just this once, it would be a once in a lifetime type holy crap situation mm-hmm. like it, it, it have, would have the opportunity to just completely destroy everything as far as like what expectations are because basketball i think a lot like uh like hockey well hockey's kind of a bad example too because you can get a hot goalie mm-hmm. basketball is how often do we get a real upset like a no bs absolute upset over seven games the better team wins yeah it's, it's just how it goes. But in a one-game format, quite literally anything can happen. And I think the, the idea and the lure of that would be insane, right? Yeah. And that's why I, I think – I don't think you should open up the entire league to that. But, like, I'm more, I'm more into the, the bubble style because if there's – our team's on the playoff bubble. Yeah. There's so, so, many, like so, many, use, so many uses of bubble now. But um, they uh, – I, I think – for me, it's like, I really, I mean, Damian Lillard is the captain of clutch right now. Mm-hmm. And it would just be awesome to see him play in that type of situation, especially against the teams that are right around that Western conference playoff bubble. The NCAA like, tournament run uh, clutch factor taking over the, yeah. uh, was it Kemba Yukon when he went nuts staff oh. at, at Davidson, like you could have him like, just imagine if what, remember what we saw from Damon in, in uh, January, what if nuclear dame came back? Like that's, that's legit. Like you have Nurk healthy and you've got real big bodies. Let's say Nurk and Zach are back and you get nuclear dame. You could, you could talk yourself into a Western conference finals run. Right. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's, it's a lot to get those guys going on the fly, but we, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying ta- like from a talent level, you probably yes. have a team that is more talented than the team that went to the Western conference finals last year. I mean, it's tough without hood, but it, it is. That. And we're talking pie in the sky, but like yeah. we've seen from Damian Lillard, I, I've gotten to the point where I've stopped and like, I don't know if he's going to be this, that, or the other. I'm just like, the, the dude can do anything. Like I, I, if you say Damian Lillard is a top five player in the NBA, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look sideways at you. I'm just going to go, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I get it. I've got him like seven or eight, but sure. Yeah, it's fine. Like I'm, I'm at that level with him. And he's the kind of guy where he can legitimately just take over a six week stretch where he averages, what was it? 40, 10 and five. Yeah. Not, not a night, not a week, not a two weeks, a, a month and a half of just absolute superlative laden, just disaster on opponents. And who's to say that they're a, a young kid like Zion. Let, let's, when he went, when, when this all stopped, he was what? 26 and 17. Yeah. He's just hitting a stride. Like nobody, nobody had solved that riddle yet. Like who's to say that a, a young team like that with him, B.I., Jeru couldn't just all of a sudden get dumb hot and make something happen. Mm. Yeah. I, I just, 
I think I'm going to look more towards the veteran teams. Oh, this, sure. Just because there's no fun. But in yeah. That. But like you said, there's, there's, there, <laughs> there are those young teams. I mean, even a team like Dallas with some of the young pieces they have there and, and Luca is used to different playoff formats and different playing styles. Yeah. So I, I think that's a team that would be very interesting to watch when this all gets rolling. So the, I think the one thing we're looking at this year right now, at least as it pertains to Portland is they're not done. Mm-mm. Because they're so close, because they're only three and a half back, the likelihood of them being one of the teams included in this, because number one, they're a small market team. And Jody Allen is not, and this isn't like scare anybody. She's not Paul Allen. And the pockets are a little bit different. So they probably want to try to recoup as much money as they can. Right. Mm -hmm. When you look at that and you're talking about TV deals and all that kind of stuff. Yes. I'm employed by NBC sports Northwest. And there's, there's your disclaimer. Um, I want to get back to work too. Um, But there's, there's responsibilities to the RSNs. There's responsibilities to sponsors for both the league and in local markets. Like they want to find ways to recoup that. And I don't see Portland as a team that we, that would willingly accept the whole, yeah, you're not coming to Orlando or you're not coming to Vegas. Right. Yeah. If the, if the league's starting up, they're going to, they're going to push for it probably as one of the hardest teams that's going to push for it. And then also pushing for a schedule that allows them to make up ground in the playoff race. Yeah. That that 10 game format would be optimal for them. Right. I mean, give Mm -hmm. them a few games to kind of get ramped up you get to see what you get in Nurk. I mean, maybe Sam Bazak, and then, I mean, you're, you're healthier than you've been pretty much at any point in the season, which is kind of crazy to think about, really. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, bottom line, you've got basketball returning. Portland is likely involved. Yusuf Nurkic is, again, barring a just ridiculous thing happening, is playing. And I still don't know what to make of all of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. It's... I, I think that too. And I think just from a, a next season standpoint, and granted now we don't know what the cap numbers are going to look like, but there's a lot yeah. from this, this stretch right here, even if it doesn't involve the playoffs, even if it involves 10 games, there's a lot here that Portland can learn from as far as if Nurk is healthy, what does it look like when Yusuf Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside are healthy at the same time and not necessarily on the court at the same time. <laughs> like that would be a, I, I knew immediately where I was going. Like, oh, I, I'm very outspoken along with you as far as how I think that would play out. Yeah, but I think you're, you're going to get to see, you know, money where the money where people's mouths are. Can people accept a smaller role? And then also, I mean, it's basically the same thing for Carmelo. Is what would Carmelo look like if he's playing less of a role, or you know, God forbids, Zach Collins is starting in front of him. Now, granted, yeah. that, that's a stretch because I'm not as optimistic. I, about Zach being back and ready to go. But, and then also you just got to kind of see, you know, what, what Trevor Reza looks like after a stop and a start, because now all of a sudden potentially looking at a different cap situation is something that Nate talked about a little bit. Mm -hmm. Suddenly that $10 million looks a lot different than being able to cut bait and get out at $2 million. That's uh, $2 million could be a huge, like, let's not get too much into the nitty gritty right now, yeah. but like the whole idea of the salary cap, and we've alerted to this over the last couple of weeks, the impact that this could have on Portland, particularly because of where they are uh, with salary commitments, because Dame's tied to the cap and CJ McCollum is not, um, could be massive. 
Uh, and then you're talking about filling out the rest of the roster still with decisions to make or a, a decision to make on Zach Collins on what you want to do there. And the number now for what it could be for Hassan Whiteside and the return of Carmelo Anthony, or does he go to New York, Rodney Hood's return. Like there are so many things that are happening for Portland, particularly that probably most, if not no other team in the league is going to experience because they're in that in-between spot and they have so many financial questions. Mm-hmm. Like you look at a team like Golden State, they're they're under wraps. Like everybody's taken care of. Like they're looking at drafting like James Wiseman or, you know, Anthony Edwards. They're that's that's their choice. Like that and they're stumbling into another one of those picks. Like it's like mm-hmm. it's it's ridiculous how well it's worked out for them. You look at every other team that's su- supposedly upper echelon. The Bucks, they're taken care of. They still have got Giannis for another year. Uh, Middleton's deal is taken care of. Bledsoe's deal is taken care of. Um, the Mavericks, they're going to have a nice cap situation when everything kind of come unfolds. They've still got Luca for two more years. Uh, the Hawks, I mean, you, you look at all these teams. The the Pelicans, all of these teams that are either the the up and coming, like on the upward trajectory, or title contending. The Celtics. They've got everybody on, on, on the books. They were, their, their contracts are already taken care of. Um, the 76ers. I mean, you, you just, you name every competitive team right now. They're all taken care of. Hmm. I mean, I mean, I'd add the Lakers to that list too, as well. I mean, before they commit the money to Anthony Davis, but I mean, and getting back just blazers focus. I mean, I granted, I don't want to get too into the nitty gritty, but like the big argument for the Hassan Whiteside resigning is you have his bird rights. You have to use yeah. them because you know that's how you protect the asset but just dumping 15 million dollars into a questionable fit at center and 15 million might be optimistic per year you know you don't know what Hassan expects on the open market and we don't know what that open market's going to be but now it gets more into you know can you in this new reality where they could be well over the luxury cap they could be they they could be legitimately hitting the hard cap yeah and and can you, can you just resign somebody to resign someone to preserve a, an asset? Like, I, I don't know if that's going to be a reality. The Blazers are going to be living in yeah, that, that, that flexibility or, or the willingness to be able to do something just because it's what's uh, roster wise prudent may not actually be financially applicable or possible. That, that, that's, that's a scary thing to consider. Like what you need to be doing, you literally cannot do. And it's not a fact of like, you've got a cheap owner. It's mm. forbidden by the CBA. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the kind of territory that they're approaching. That's how kind of, tight things could be. I would assume that the union and the league are going to work closely on caps moving and all that to, to make this not just absolutely devastating, but still like these are all unknowns as of right now. Speaking of unknowns, let's get to everybody's favorite part of this. The draft. Oh, you, baby. You, you posted your big board today and, uh, I've, I've been following, well, I mean, not just you, but I mean, everybody as far as where they are. And the one thing that everybody knows is that nobody knows a damn thing. <laughs> I, I mean, this is reason. Like I had every intention of having a 50 player big board from the start, but I don't think I have spent more time on the top five players and trying to order them than in any other, ever since I've been doing draft analysis, like the, these guys, it is really just a pick your poison eye of the beholder type situation. The one thing I do know, and I've talked to you about this is guaranteed. There's someone, maybe two guys in the top five that are going to get executives fired because there are some, there are guys that could flame out in spectacular. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, that's the main one that I'm thinking of, but 
the way, and the thing is, I, I'm not poo-pooing this draft. There are plenty of good players, but the fact is, you are always going to be tied to your draft position. That, that's just the reality of it. Whether you want to accept that or not, that is what makes executives look good. Like you want to talk about Neil Olshay's resume. What makes Neil Olshay look good all the time? is that he drafted Damian Lillard when other teams passed on him. He drafted C.J. McCollum when other teams passed on him. He drafted Alan Crabb in the second round. And listen, I get it. It's Alan Crabb, the contract. He's a, for a second round pick, that's good. Pat Connaughton, good. You just go down the list. Mm -hmm. He's done well with just about every asset he was given and made it come due. Gary Trent Jr. is another one. I would say Anthony Simons has the potential to be another one of those guys. Well, and Nasir Little is is Nas, early right now, but yeah. I mean, again, Nas was a guy the players had much higher on their board than where they picked him. That's that's mm-hmm. how I'll, I'll, I'll caveat that. So when he was there, they were going to go another way. And then when they saw he was still available, they're like, we have this guy like a lot higher on our board. Let's Let's go ahead and draft him. Uh, let's see what we can find in him. And in that, the Blazers have done B plus, I think A minus draft work over the entirety of Olshay's time in Portland. There's been a couple where I've been like, ah, I don't know about that. And yeah. again, not necessarily the player, but just where they were picked. And so Or the player that was picked directly after that player. <laughs> yeah. No, nothing, nothing along those lines whatsoever. Shh. Uh, but the this is where Portland has, has built their franchise. Mm-hmm. I mean, to put this in perspective, like, and I say this is really hard to pick a top guy. It doesn't mean that I don't like this draft. If no. I'm picking number one, I don't like this draft. If I'm picking number four or five, I love this draft because most likely someone has made a mistake <laughs> in front of you. And someone is, go- someone is going to fall to me. Just and, pray the Kings are in front of you. Cause they'll always yeah. make it for you. <laughs> and so, and then, but also there's a range between, you know, six to 12, that I really like and that I think there's a, there's probably a player in there that could very easily end up where Portland could be picking. And that, that is very interesting with this draft class. But as far as picking like a top tier blue chip guy, like there's just not a guy you can say, I'm going to take this guy and he's going to be eight all-stars no matter what lock. He's going to play for Terry Stotts right now. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the bar we really need to look at. Cause how many that, guys do you look at right now and be like, Terry Stotts would play him as a rookie if everybody's healthy. And that list goes whoop real yeah. quick. It gets real small in a real hurry. So let's talk about draft range real quick. We were talking about this beforehand. The, the way things shape out with records, if you're talking about 10 games, like the highest, lowest, like you weren't, we're not doing this mathematically of like, if they went 0 and 10 or 10 and 0 and then every permutation yeah. of every team realistically is between 10 and 16 mm-hmm. 10 at the best quote unquote best draft position meaning the blazers did the worst they could do there 16 being the worst draft position and the best they could do during the the, the season and, and getting into the playoffs yeah. who are the guys first of all we'll talk about fit next who are the guys that you were looking at that are going to be available for portland between 10 and 16 i think you're gonna have i think for portland obviously you're looking at wing positions and forwards and because the backcourt's basically set, you have too many big guys right now if everybody's healthy. So I think you have a sharpshooter and Aaron Naismith that could fall, but it seems like some evaluators just really love him. Um, 
He is a Vanderbilt guy. He played a short amount this season. He had a, How many games a, a did he foot get? injury. Was it 13? I think he made it. Down? I think he only made it one or two games inside SEC play. So, so, so yeah, about like 10, yeah. 10, 12 games. So, but I mean, unbelievable three point shooter. And then the other guy that I really am interested in for Portland is Sadik Bay. And he is a Villanova guy. And when you talk about a list of guys that could play for Terry Stotts as a rookie, I think he is a guy that kind of fits that mold. He's shown that he can, he can blend into a team system in Villanova as a freshman, and then he can carry more of a load as, a, as he did in his second year. The thing about him too, though, is he's so effective without the ball. Like you, you do not need to run a play to him. And that's something that is super valuable, especially if the Blazers are looking for a plug and play option. Now, granted the Blazers really haven't gone that way. Like they, I mean, it's hard to really judge, like you said, with how little fell to them, but all shade tends to just really swing for the fences here. But you know, the reality of the free agency landscape and what the cap is available to them. The wings are trash. You could really, <laughs> you could really look to go and get a rookie that could give you 10 minutes a night. And that yeah. could be a game changer for a team that's, you know, looking to be much more competitive than they currently sit right now. Yeah. And we still don't know. And we I've, off the record, I've heard from hood that, you know, that he thinks he'll be ready to go here by late August, but you don't know it's an Achilles. You don't know what he's going to be. So you need to have hood insurance. And that's not just 35 year old Trevor Ariza. And that's not second year Nasir little, like you need to have some viable options. Like heaven forbid something else happens to another wing. Like you need, we saw what, what Ariza did and how valuable it was to get like baseline serviceable level production. Everybody was losing their minds. Mm. Like, Oh my God, we're getting 12 and five from a small forward on a nightly basis. And that was like earth shattering. It was like, yeah, guys, that's what small forward production actually looks like. Yeah. Um, so, but really, really, as far as range goes, I think with this draft and how teams might be looking at it, depending on how hot and cold they are, the Blazers with the second round pick this year, actually, they have probably the ammunition and some, future assets to move up slightly if they really love a guy probably at seven or eight even i like i really think they could draft anywhere between seven and 20 like the any guy that falls in yeah. there i think is right in their wheelhouse and also has shown that if he's there's somebody there that he likes he'll go up and get him i mm-hmm. mean they actually mean everybody knows that they that they obviously they traded up to get collins what people might not know is that they tried to trade up even higher to get that collins yeah so uh, just keep that in mind when you when you're talking about what the Blazers are or aren't willing to do when it comes to getting their guy. Um, I mean, Anthony Simons had a uh, had a guarantee from a team, and the Blazers had to make sure that they got him when they did. Yeah. Um, so they're the Blazers when they're if you're talking about them and who their guys and who they're targeting, they will do what they think is necessary to go get said player unless something radical changes like we saw last, last draft with Nasir Little. Mm-hmm. So we, we're, we're talking anywhere between, you said 7 and 20, but I'm going to try to narrow it down so you don't have to give the whole board here. <laughs> between, between 10 and 16. You had Bay, you had Nesmith. Who do you think, let's, let's throw out, let's, I guess let's keep it in the range. Who is the absolute best fit? For, you know what? Let's take the range off entirely. Who is the best fit for this team in the draft? 
I, I mean, if it was me choosing, I would take, I would do what I had to do to get Isaac Okoro on this team, as far as what he could bring defensively. And you have a guy that you could throw out there at any time. And yes, his offense is not where it needs to be for an NBA player right now, mm-hmm. but he is a guy who will go out and at least pester a guy as a rookie. And we're talking top level wing players and potentially just completely stifle somebody. And I think if you're looking at what you want to do this at this point in the draft and with this team, how it's built right now to bring in a guy who definitely would fit a specific role, he's that guy. And that's what I look to. Now, if you're going to look for like swing for the fences upside, like there's guys that could fall to them at 14 that I'm not necessarily hot on, but I, they just kind of have those characteristics that I, I see Olshay looking at. And that's like, mm-hmm. yes, he's a guard, but RJ Hampton is an interesting guy who is going to slide way down draft boards. Cause he played he, awful in Australia. He was terrible in Australia, but he, you know, leading up into his pro career in Australia, he had all the he had top three, top three pick yeah. slated for him. Exactly. Exactly. So is he going to be a guy like uh, Cliff Alexander or, you know, is he going to be a guy who recovers? You know, and, you, you went Cliff Alexander. That's, that's yeah. rough. Well, I mean, he would have been number two pick if he went out straight out of high school. So that's, I mean, it's crazy when you think about it like that, but okay. So we've got wing, 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 yeah. wing, wing, wing. There's, there's almost no chance Portland doesn't go with a wing here, right? Like the only the only way that changes is if we're talking like massive deal, Portland, I know I'm going to say it again, deals McCollum and somehow gets like a, a top pick attached with somebody else. I don't think they would do that. And particularly in this draft, next draft, next draft, they do that. <laughs> yeah. But um, they're not, they're not going, they're not going guard, right? I, I don't foresee it. And like, if they do go guard, I guess if I was picking from anybody, anybody in this class, I think it would probably be, you know, Tyrese Halliburton as far as what, what it would look like next to Dame in the backcourt, as far as a seven foot wingspan, a guy who can create as a primary ball handler, but also as one of the deadliest catch and shoot guards in college basketball last year. So, which I, I hear that's actually a pretty good thing to have yeah, alongside hey, Damian Lillard. And that is a super useful trait in the NBA. So weird, right? Yeah. All right. So, in your mind, you're Neil O'Shea. You're going into the draft. What is your what is your plan of attack? What are you looking to do? Uh, I'm giving you 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 full control of the franchise. You can deal primary players. You can deal bench players. You can move up. You can move back. What is your your dream scenario for after this season plays out? What does Portland do up to the draft? We're not talking free agency. We'll we'll just go to the draft. I, I think you probably have to probably trim some of the salary, obviously, I think just with how everything's going to be set up. So that's going to make me look at players who have a proven track record, who have at least some skills that you could see on the court playing out as a rookie. And and so those are you guys like Obi Toppin who can, who can play, he can carry a team. He can play multiple position or defensively guard multiple positions or showed willingness to do that. And offensively, he can fill a few different roles. Um, like I said, I've already talked about Okoro. He's a guy who can come in and play defense right away. Um, the guys I'm staying away from are 
are kind of the Cole Anthony's LaMelo ball types, like where it's just, you really, it does hurt me a little bit for you to lump Cole with LaMelo. Just so you know. That. Well, I, I certainly, <laughs> I don't know. UNC is so hard. It's where top five prospects go to die recently. It, so. it, it, it is. And I think Cole has at least a little bit more of an excuse yeah. as far as what he was surrounded with. Well, LaMelo's been in a less than ideal situation since his early teenage years. So that we can but, agree on, but uh, I, I think I'm really looking for those guys. You, I think can, you can feasibly see come in and play and contribute to Damian Lillard's prime. Now, do I believe that's what O'Shea will do? I, I'm not necessarily sure. I think Neil O'Shea is going to take the best value at that position, regardless of, of fit. And, and he's going to make the best deal that has the potential to make, you know, just add to that resume he has of finding these guys at whatever draft slot he's in. Do you think there's any chance that Portland deals out of this draft entirely? I don't, I just don't think so. Just because how free agency is probably going to look. I think this is the best way on a controlled contract to get a guy at a talent level for the money that it's going to cost. That's, that's kind of where I'm sitting too. And that's the reason I wanted to ask that is because this draft is looked at as not great, quote unquote. Right. But if we know the salary cap is going to take a hit, how much more valuable do draft picks in this draft before the cap gets strapped back down and having four years of controlled contracts, how much more valuable does that make a lottery pick? Well, and then also too, you have to play into that logic of if this is perceived to be a weak class, you know, you're probably have more value. You're not going to have a lot of value with a pick on the trade market. So you might as well trust. And like, if there's one thing that, Portland has shown that you can trust in is their ability to evaluate the prospects in their draft range and pick the guy who is going to contribute. It might not be right away, but in, you know, within a couple of years, you're going to probably end up with a contributor out of that, out of this draft, that draft position. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to go back to, to the return of basketball. I'm going to give you the 10 games. Do the Blazers make the playoffs in a resumed season where they get 10 games? three and a half back from Memphis. We don't know what the schedule will look like because we don't know if every team will be in, but the likelihood is they probably play Memphis twice. I, I trust Damian Lillard and I trust, I mean, you have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are two professionals that do their job very well. you have Damian Lillard who thrives? Like it's easy to see him thriving in that type of situation. And then also, you have Yusuf Nurkic who was denied his return and he is hungry to play. And from everything we've seen from how he looks, I mean, granted, this is just, you know, you're judging by social media and whatever workout video we see, but he looks like he's in excellent shape. He looks like he's confident and he looks like he has a few more wrinkles in his, in his game now that I think would be very interesting. And he has a lot to prove. And I mean, this is a guy who's, you know, watched another very high paid center fill his position all year. And now he's ready to get back and, and get to work. And I will add this to Nurk. Um, he looks lighter or he looked lighter. I should say when the season was ending and his shot looked nice. It, I mean, it's no secret. I got my, I have my, I have my love lust for Nurk and his game, but there was a very sneaky way of you not giving an answer. Oh, I, I, what I'm getting at is <laughs> I, I like those three factors. And, and like I said, I wasn't, I, w- I mean, I was half joking, 
but Carmelo has shown that he can come off the couch and come in. No, and, that's and a real thing. Play. Like, and so how many guys in the league, I'm going to derail you real quick. How many guys in the league do you think can actually do that? I, I mean, probably like, like legitimately come off the couch and start. It, it's a very short list. Like at, at 34. Like I still think in the back of my mind, Tony Allen is somewhere that could come into the league. Oh, he's like, ready. TA's <laughs> ready. He, he will lock somebody down for 10 minutes. TA, TA will get out there and, and get after it. He, he's yeah. definitely on that list. But like, back on track, I do like their chances of getting into the playoff format with this team, how it is. The, the restart, I think, and the obviously the two, two, three months off when it's all said and done, probably closer to four. Um, and getting Nurk back. It's not just Nurk's contribution because he's going to play 15 minutes. Like that's, mm. they're going to follow the same plan they had. He's going to play 15 minutes and they're going to see how he feels. And then maybe a week later, they ramp him up to 18 and they give him a 20 minute cap, but he's not playing a ton of minutes. More importantly, it's he's their talisman. Like he is, he is there. There's like as much as Dame is their leader, their spirit animal is Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah, he is. He is that dude for them. And I will tell you this: the first play they run when they come back, when Yusuf Nurkic is on the floor, I guarantee it will be a Dame Nurk pick and roll. I am willing to bet a significant amount of money that that will be what happens. And I I think more. It's not necessarily Nurk is that I mean, I, I can see that, but I think it's the relationship that Nurk and Dame have is really just drives so much of the energy for this team. Yeah. But then outside of Nurk's return, I think the other thing we got to think about is this is another three months that Trevor Ariza has had the playbook and had the coaching from the Blazers. He's basically a, a full year. in. And yeah. And, and you got Carmelo Anthony who's in the same boat and you know, some of these other young guys might be ready to go too. you know, you have all this time, the, with film and playbook and focusing that they could really pay dividends here. You just, maybe you just got to perk up like, Oh, and and could be, and could get oh. back on track. And I, I think if there's any player who really wants to come and change the narrative on how things went this season mm-hmm. and has the talent level to do that in a big way, it's that it's, it's Ant. I mean, yeah. he has every physical tool, it's it's clear that he was not very happy with how some things were going. And he is a guy who has every skill to get hot and really change the narrative on how some of the, some of the season went. Yeah. And Ant will be uh, 21 in a month <laughs> for everybody wondering, just, you know, and he'll be playing in his home state, you know, he'll be, he'll be right there in Orlando. Not, not even just home state, yeah. the home city. Like it'll, it'll be, he, he probably stays at his parents' house in Orlando. Yeah. He's probably in the bubble. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many different things that could, that could go here, right? Like the, the different, we talk about obviously the top level narratives, Nurk's return, Damian Lillard, Carmelo being that guy, getting other guys more familiar, but we kind of forget sometimes Gary, what would here's the, here's the downside. What if Gary Trent jr. Isn't as hot as he was. You know I don't know. I mean? his, like, he's, I, I don't his, think that'll his, happen. His jump shot's surgical. Yeah. Like there's nothing hot and cold about his game. Like it's, it's that you're getting the same thing every game, every shot. Like that thing is the same. I don't know if you do this, Steve, but I think he's going to be around in the league for at least 10 years. Yeah. I, I think I might've heard that before on a podcast. <laughs> So, I mean, there's, we'll, we'll hit on this some more over the next couple of weeks, 
but I just kind of wanted to get some like initial thoughts out there and the whole idea of like who, what, when, where, why, uh, what's going on with the season, what will happen, what could happen. Like we're just starting to get our first answers. The one thing that we know right now, barring COVID-19 just getting rampant again, is that basketball is back. It's going to come back. It's, it's, it's not inevitable, but it's as close as you could probably get right now. Is That's kind of where at least I'm sitting. Are you sitting in the same place? I, I think so, too. And, I, and like I said earlier, this is not – I think this league needs to continually evolve how they're going to monitor the safety for their most vulnerable people that are going to be involved in this. This is – I wanted to add this – tack this on, but it feels tacky, I guess, weird – uh, to say after we're talking about safety, but I wanted to ask you this. Do you think that this is the time for the league to try some wild stuff? Absolutely. I like, mean, just, as, long just as, like, as long as wild equals like, as long as it's in the realm of safety, but like, you know, I, I think, I think now is the time to be innovative because it's, the season is already, you know, so much different than what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Now is the time to try Now, obviously you don't want to just, pile on some stuff but like as far as fan experience now is the time to experiment because there is not Mike going to be an imp- the players yeah exactly I, I i get that they don't want the course language but espn just dropped f-bomb after f-bomb on the 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 last dance well and well Let even today, today watching the the golf when they drop out the audio i'm like no i want the audio (laughs) yeah exactly like let me me hear this we we had justin thomas say to chuck i want i'd love to see your fat ass dunk a ball right now and i was like oh we're bringing trash talk back okay let's do this well i think right well it was right before brady hit like his only good shot of the day yeah yeah listen i hate the man but he he hold that good lord yeah and I mean, trust me, nobody loved to watch Tom Brady struggle more than this guy right here. Especially today. in so, Florida as a Dolphin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's had a few stinkers in that state. So, <laughs> but I, I just, he gets in this back and forth with Chuck and then it just drops the audio for like five seconds. And I'm like, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I listen, and we, and we keep things pretty pretty PG around here and that's on purpose. So everybody can enjoy it kids and everything else. I get a little loose every now and then, but uh, I have FCC standards. I have to keep on TV for the most part. Actually, I don't. That's what people don't know is that it's cable and I can say whatever I want, but my (laughs) network executives get a little mad if that happens. Uh, I have yet to do it though. So I've gotten close once really close. Um, But yeah, no, I, I I don't want to just hear profanity for profanity's sake. I want to hear the trash talk, but more importantly, I want to hear the calls. I want to hear who's talking, why they're talking, what are they talking about, what that communication sounds like. I want to hear the huddle. Like Mm. for everybody that knows, like, or everybody that doesn't know when they mic the coaches, that stuff goes through so many filters and there's only so many things that they're legally allowed contractually to share. Like the closest cool thing we've ever gotten was Greg Popovich's I want some nasty. That's <laughs> not true. And Stan Van Gundy's form a bleeping wall. Those, those are the two things. And I think the, the Van Gundy one we accidentally got from the on-court cameras and not the, and the huddle one. But I, I mean, mean it, how great would that be to actually get that stuff? It's not like it's state secret. Well, I mean, if you're, if you're going to summer league, you're getting a lot of this, especially on the court. And depending mm-hmm. on where you sit, you're going to get a lot from the huddle too. And I mean, these are guys just entering the league. I can, and it's already interesting. I can only imagine, you know, what it's going to be like 
when you, for instance, hear what Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook are saying to each other for a full game, mm-hmm. you know, or you have guys that have a history with each other. CJ McCollum and Evan Fournier. Yeah. I mean, probably the most scared I've been in my adult life is was at summer league. And the person like two rows behind me said some very nasty things to Marquise Chris and Marquise Chris turned and thought it looked like it. And I was like, no, not me. (laughs) You're turning into a snitch real quick. huh? And I heard every word that was landed on me intended for that guy. And it was not pleasant. So I can only imagine how exciting it would be in a, in a playoff pressure. It's, it's kind of funny that you, you remember a son doing that because the trash talk that I remember most from summer league, and we'll kind of get out of here on this. You know where I'm going with this, right? I, I think so. Devin Booker. Yeah. Luis oh Montero or Luis. He dropped what? 18 straight on him after that. It was, and I, he not only did he cook him on the floor, he verbally assaulted that man for like ten straight minutes, and it was. I I, I was courtside for that game. If you if anybody ever had for whatever reason has the summer league tape from twenty sixteen, you will see the look on my face of <laughs> for yeah. five straight minutes as Devin Booker cooked the living crap out of Luis Montero on possession after possession and talked more junk than anybody not named Gary Payton. Yeah. It was, I hate to see it happen to a blazer, but it was, I mean, and I know so many people who would be willingly pay so much money to Mm -hmm. get that insight and be, to have that feeling of sitting right there. And I get why the league doesn't want to do it with the whole image thing. But if anything has shown over the last couple of weeks during quarantine, people want real. They want the raw. They want every bit of that. Well, I think there's, there's always going to be, I think you cater the, the main product to the entire fan Generally, base. Yeah. But, but I mean, let's face it. There's guys in this who, I mean, probably me and you, we came up and we love those Allen Iverson teams, those, 96 to 2004 like the swagger that those teams carried I mean that was my bread and butter so like I want I'm interested in that like obviously and I don't think I'm alone with that so I think the staggering majority of fans around our age would certainly be interested in that I'd be willing to bet that that demographic's a lot larger Mm -hmm. Um, we'll get out of here on that Steve what are you working on right now man uh, well, big board is going to eventually I'm going to get to 50 players, but I think the next kind of series I'll be working on is it looks more and more like that we're going to have basketball here in the next couple of months is probably those looming questions that are waiting for the Blazers once, once play resumes. Once we understand who, what, when, where, why, yeah. and the way they're going to be. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. That's allowed. Go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you, man. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Steve D hoops, and I am on Blazers edge more often than not most days. <clears throat> more often than not is the correct answer because he mm-hmm. ends up having to edit my stuff when i write <laughs> which has been a really long time now yeah yeah you're going easy on me yeah i know <laughs> but it's i actually am working on something right now so i'll uh, i guess i'll tease that i'm looking at a little little breakdown uh positional uh breakdown and and uh how size and scoring is differentiated i, I did something like this probably like four or five years ago and it was eh, it was okay done but uh, I've got a little bit more insight as to how to better do that now. So I'll slowly but surely work on that as we get ramped up for the season. Uh, as always, you can find me on social media at Danny Morang at D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-R-A-N-G. And, well, if Blazers basketball resumes, I'm still contractually obligated and thrilled to 
do uh, basketball for NBC Sports Northwest on Blazers Outsiders. So following every game, uh, Joe Simmons and I will be there. And I'm assuming Steve's kids will be too. Yeah, yep. she is ready for bed. <laughs> Which is why I wanted to wrap this up real quick. I mean, this it's not a Zoom quarantine call without a, a puppy, a child, or somebody else walking into the frame. So She is very uh, amped about her playhouse. So she is, <laughs> she is crashing and burning rapidly after a day outside. Perfect. Uh, well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we'll probably have you back on as we're progressing through candidates here for the uh, – mm co-host slot um but yeah thanks man appreciate you all right i i appreciate you having me on man all right thank you all for listening make sure you rate review subscribe subscribe because i haven't actually put that little anecdote out there uh that stuff matters so please do that uh and uh we'll catch you guys next week bye